Hey everyone, welcome back to the LMBE podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rispoli, and I somehow found a way to fuck up my knee. <laughs> not like any of you truly care, but I'm going to tell you about it, because why not? It all started when I decided that I was going to go for a run, because thanks to global warming here in Connecticut, it ended up being like 50 degrees out. And after totally neglecting my workouts for the past like week and a half, my dumb ass just decides, hey, you know what? We're just going to go for it and hope for the best. So I decided to try and just go for like my standard like five mile run, not to brag or nothing, but about like three miles in, my knee just decides to be like, oh, you know what? Like <laughs> we ain't really built for this. And, you know, now I think I understand what Biden thinks every time he looks at a fucking flight of stairs. <laughs> Oh, I don't give a fuck if that joke is as old as he is. It is still going to be funny to me. But you know, I actually have a question and I actually wonder what battle Biden would choose if he had the choice. Would he go up against a flight of stairs or would he go up against reading something new on a teleprompter? Because if you haven't noticed, the way that he looks at both, <laughs> he has that same fucking dumbfounded look on his face. Just like, oh, <laughs> oh what am I getting myself into here? Yeah, we're really starting out strong with this one. But all right, speaking of matchups, did anybody watch the Super Bowl? Because I finally had some football to watch this weekend. So let's talk about it. First of all, congratulations to the Chiefs on winning yet another Super Bowl victory. I mean, my goodness. Fucking Patty Mahomes fries there leading his team to a victory. <laughs> I mean, please tell me that I am not the only one who saw that video of Patrick Mahomes in the locker room after the AFC Championship game where he had his shirt off. And you know, I actually thought the guy was kind of built, but it's kind of amazing how much those pads are able to hide. But after seeing him without his shirt on, he actually looked pretty pudgy. <laughs> I think all that glaze that the media's been giving him has been finally going to his stomach. <laughs> Fucking itty bitty patty titties. <laughs> oh man. But uh I was actually pulling for the 49ers. I just figured that Patrick Mahomes, you already had his two. Let's see what Mr. Irrelevant can do here with Brock Purdy. I just thought he deserved it a little bit more. And you know, I mean, going into the Super Bowl, I initially had already thought that the Chiefs were going to win the game. Just considering the fact that the past two playoff games that the 49ers were in against the Packers and the Lions, they had to come from behind in order to win the game. And a team like the Chiefs, you just cannot play to come from behind. Like, you're not going to pull out a win if you're already down with a team like the Chiefs. But to start out the game, I was kind of thinking like, oh, maybe the Niners are going to pull this one out. Because it truly was like the defense was going crazy on the Niners. The only problem was like initially in that first quarter, the Niners offense was just kind of beating themselves. I mean, you had those two pretty big holding calls. And the Niners were just putting themselves in like second and long, third and long situations. So the Niners defense is the one that had to keep them in the game. Because then all of a sudden, like when the Chiefs got the ball, Mahomes had that, what, 50-yard bomb to Gibson? But then right on the next play, the Niners force a fumble. And Mahomes essentially has like one of the worst performances that I think I've ever seen him have in that first half of the game. I think he overthrew Kelsey on that one pick that he had. And the Chiefs just seemed like they could not convert on third down. But the Chiefs defense, like they had all year, all year, the Chiefs defense is what kind of kept them in that game. Because 
the fact that it was just 10-3 going into the half, but then no matter what, it truly seemed like the Chiefs defense was able to just contain the Niners just long enough for the Chiefs to kind of figure out what their offense was going to be. And once the Chiefs got that blocked extra point, it was kind of over for the Niners. But you know, I'm also kind of wondering what the hell Shanahan was thinking by not giving the ball to McCaffrey during the second half. I mean, for a majority of the second half, the Niners just kind of stopped their run game until later on. And there was one possession that the Niners had where they ran six plays and not a single one of them was a run. But at the end of the day, I think it kind of mostly came down to coaching. And given the fact of Reed just being in that game so many more times than Shanahan, I mean, it's kind of upsetting now the fact that Shanahan has been on the receiving end of two overtime losses in the Super Bowl. And now I kind of feel bad because it's like Shanahan's becoming the guy who just cannot seem to win Super Bowls. But you know, the Chiefs just continuously prove that they are officially not out of it until they are actually down for the count. Like, until it is that final second, you just cannot put your money against the friggin' Chiefs. But ultimately, I do think it was a great game. That first half was very defensive. The the second half, we actually saw some more, like, points going up. So I thought things kind of balanced out. I thought it was an exciting game. I was really kind of rooting for the Niners, but... Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs on yet their third Super Bowl in, what, five years? Kind of wild. And of course, how can we not talk about the Super Bowl without talking about T-Swizzle being there? And now that we're at the end of the season and they won the game, I'm officially going to just come out and say that I think it was so weird how they started hyping her up at these games. Oh, like, I'm one of those who just, no, 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 hear me out. Like, it's not like she purposely asked for the attention. It was going to come regardless of her status as a pop icon who Kelsey is in the world of football. So I can't even blame her. I actually fucking blame the NFL. So here's a thought that I'll throw out to you, especially now that the Chiefs won. Like, I purposely think that they used Taylor just as a way to take away from some of the aspects of what was going on in some of these games by shifting the focus on her. Like, this year was supposed to be a down year for the Chiefs, and I mean, they kind of were. I mean, this team was considered an overall quote-unquote weak Chiefs team, considering how, like, the Patriots pointlessly picked up Juju from them, and then the Chiefs lost their left and right tackle and one of their pass rushers. And, you know, I mean, the Chiefs actually started out hot. I mean, they started out at 6-1, and one, and then about halfway they started realizing, like, hey, we got to do something to make it seem like this team actually has some struggles or this narrative won't work. So cue win when Taylor starts coming in, then the Chiefs lose five in a row, so then it becomes a question of, like, well, now what? But as long as they let Twinkle Toes there kind of lead the team, they'll all get back on track. I mean, am I a total idiot or is anybody else seeing this? Because look at what happened during the season once it got to be too much. The team went from being really decent to taking a dive. Kelsey started playing like shit to his standards, some drop passes, not getting his open. And then the media starts pulling the, oh, is Travis off his game? Is Travis going to think about retiring? No, the dude was clearly distracted. And then all of a sudden the playoffs get closer and her attention becomes a little bit less. And what happens? Kelsey starts playing better, and they had one of their best games of what seemed in a long time of bad play against the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. And then, Kelsey also had a really decent game this time around. I mean, it really wasn't until, like, the second half, but the dude absolutely showed up. And honestly, their coverage of Taylor Swift at this game was ridiculous. I think they showed her, like, ten times. And yeah, I mean, I know that this is where the money is and they're using her to promote the NFL and get all these new viewerships and all this crap, but I just thought it was a little much. And honestly, I actually thought it was kind of disturbing of the fact that they showed Taylor like every single time that the Chiefs had a play. And you know, whenever Travis even got the ball, I don't even know if they showed his mom Donna at all when she was in the stands. 
I don't even remember if they showed Jason. And Jason is going to be an eventual Hall of Famer in this friggin' game. I just kind of wish that the NFL had showcased some of the actual faces of the NFL rather than somebody who's just there for the NFL to gain more viewership. Nobody except the Swifties gave a fuck, and it's not like Taylor really needs any more promotion than she already has. And you know what? I want to see people who actually are relevant to the game. I don't want to see somebody just due to their freaking celebrity status. And yes, I understand that they showed Joe Montana for a few times, but you know what? Like, that dude was the face of the Niners for the whole 80s, so it made sense why he would get shown every so often. But even he didn't get shown nearly as much as Taylor Swift did. I mean, you got a guy who won four Super Bowls for a team that's actually playing in the Super Bowl in the big game. But I mean, my God, you would have thought that Swift was the fucking president given how often that her face was fucking showed at this game. And I mean, just as somebody who is a fan of football, I just thought that seeing her so many times was just becoming so annoying. And you know, I think a lot of it came down to the fact that we just saw way too much of her. Because at the beginning, I actually didn't really mind the whole relationship thing. And you know, like when it first came out, I didn't really care that much about it. And I would be lying to you if I didn't think that the story was cute and that it wasn't fun. And I mean, I listened to the New Heights podcast with Jason and Travis, and I thought that that was just a boss fucking move, how he was trying to get her number. And even though it didn't work, just fucking calling her out on it like that, like that was awesome. If it's one thing that we can all learn from the Kelseys besides football, it is their game on how they get women. Because, oh my God, the fact that Jason just was blackout drunk and that's how he still somehow won over his wife. And now Travis is somehow managing to grab this absolute bombshell in Taylor Swift. I mean, she's famous. She's vastly wealthy. She's got the looks. I mean, good on you, Trav. Besides the fact that you're both professional football players, you both have game in an area that I clearly just like don't. <laughs> but as a football fan, and I'm sorry to say this, I know it's become exhausting even hearing about this, but yeah, it was becoming tiresome every single time that Tay-Tay would get shown after a chief score or a great play or like whatever it was. And the only reason why... Like what I found was it was just because it seemed like they were taking away from the game and they were taking away from where the focus should have been, which is on the players. Like all of a sudden, like a touchdown is scored and they just pan straight to Taylor Swift's reaction rather than kind of keeping it on the player. So I kind of thought it was a little bit disrespectful in a way. And I mean, no offense. It wasn't like Taylor was the one down there making the play and scoring the points. Let's be real here. I mean, from the moment that she walked into the building, the cameras were on her. Anytime a play was made, the cameras were on her. Post-game, the cameras were on her. It was just everything seemed to be more about her than it was about the actual players and what was going on in the game and on the field. And I mean, like, let's put this in perspective here. I mean, Giselle was with Brady for how the fuck long and how often did she ever get shown after a score? I mean, granted... <laughs> After the 08 and 12 Super Bowl losses, Giselle was kind of deemed the curse by Pats fans, so maybe they didn't show her on purpose. And you know, I want to make this just incredibly clear right now. I actually do not have an issue with Taylor Swift herself being at the games. I mean, girls gotta go and support her mans. But you know, I honestly also don't know why we were so shocked about all the amount of press that this was going to get. I mean, let's consider who we're actually talking about here, right? Travis is in the top of his field, literally when it comes to playing football. And Taylor's at the top of her game when it comes to the pop world. 
So these two personalities meshing, it was only going to turn into a paparazzi bonanza. Like all my other football fans out there, you're telling me that you had no suspicion that any of this was going to happen? You had no idea that Taylor Swift was going to bring this much media attention and this much hype back into the NFL due to her relationship with Travis? I mean, come on. Deep down, deep down inside, none of you NFL fans knew that the fucking crazy Swifties out there would be so enamored and so obsessed with this new relationship that she's in? I mean, come on. I mean, we are now seeing like a modern day version of Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio. But it's not like Taylor Swift is the one who asked for all this attention. I fucking blame the NFL for all of it. Like the NFL is what made this relationship so tiresome, to be honest. Taylor Swift already knows how big of a deal she is. She's a modern-day Beatle, for Christ's sake. She knows what her popularity is. The NFL is just showcasing her just so that way they could get more viewers and get more fucking money in their pockets. And you know, if it wasn't for the fact that this relationship was pretty much rammed down my throat, I really wouldn't have given a fuck. I don't think it's important at all. But you might be coming up to me and being like, oh, well, why do you think sports are so important? Why should we care? Well, you know what? I'll fucking tell you why. It's because sports is actually something that's historically significant. Whole cities will remember when a team wins a championship. Like in 2016, when the Cubs won the World Series after a 108-year drought of not winning anything, that city finally found its pride again. <laughs> Hell, I have no affiliation with Chicago. I'm not even a Cubs fan, and I felt pride for that city. And you know, just like any other truly historically significant moment, I remember exactly where I was when the Cubs won the World Series. I was a junior in college watching the game on my laptop in my kitchen because my theater kid roommate just had to fucking watch some dumbass musical instead of watching this historical moment. And you know, who's to say that at some point in the future that there's not going to be a musical made about this exact moment right now that we could have been watching? But you know, I think we've all learned that when you're with roommates, you kind of have to pick and choose your battles. But had I known that this motherfucker was going to puke in my car that following summer after a night of heavy drinking, I would have said, fuck you, we're watching the game. <laughs> but you know, unlike wins in sports, nobody in 10 years is going to give a fuck about who Taylor Swift dates. And I can guarantee in 10 years, you won't even remember where you were the moment that it was announced that Travis and Taylor were dating. But you know what? Maybe I'm also just saying this because I'm just jealous of them. <laughs> I mean, considering the fact that I'm more single than Lance Armstrong's left nut. <laughs> maybe it's just the fact that I'm jealous of seeing other people in a happy relationship while I'm just as single as a Pringle. But even with that said, I truly hate what dating has now become. I mean, as a man right now, it truly feels impossible to even just try and talk to a woman in a bar because I have no idea how I'm going to be perceived the moment that you lay your eyes on me. And I'm too scared to know if you're already thinking of me as a foe rather than a friend. So, I mean, thank God for dating apps, right? Wrong. I mean, first of all, dating apps are actually hysterical. <laughs> I mean, besides the no personality, hi or hey message, like if a guy were to try and open with what I've seen on the internet with what's considered a pickup line that actually works. And I mean, all right, here's one that I saw. Guy goes, you look teeny tiny, girl. What height are you? Girl goes, good things come in small packages. I'm five foot. So then the guy goes, oh, well, then call me good things then. <laughs> I mean, that would never work in an in-person setting like a bar. I mean, if I were to come up to a girl and say that, how do you think that she would perceive it? I can almost guarantee that if I had tried that on a chick in person at a bar that I would have fucking ended up on the news. We have become so accustomed to saying things and hiding behind a screen that we actually forget how to actually interact with people in an in-person setting. 
Like, of course, your pickup game is going to be easier when you actually don't know the person on the other side of who you're talking to. And yeah, it's shit like that that makes it hard for women to not just automatically assume that the guy going up to her is not a pervert. So I also understand where women are coming from on this. But I also think that dating apps have just made dating in general just way harder. I mean, yes, there's always another swipe and there's always somebody else that you could talk to. But given the access that you have to so many people, I think it actually allows you to use people more than it does for you to try and find something meaningful. I mean, what's the first thing that somebody does once they break up with somebody? They immediately go and hit one of those fucking dating apps. So even though you don't necessarily want to commit to somebody, you end up using them as a rebound. And the rebound is always the one who's actually looking for something serious. And it's the one who's looking for something serious that gets hurt, so then it becomes this constant cycle. And it's amazing to everybody why everybody's so single and why dating has become so much harder nowadays. And you know what? Maybe I'm just salty. (laughs) Like, maybe this is on me. And what some of the situations that I put myself in have been. I mean, all right, so even like recently, long story short, I was seeing this chick and we matched on a dating app. And she had just ended things with a guy and she was telling me how toxic he was and that he was a drug addict and he needs help and all this shit. So I was actually the one trying to be smart and I said, hey, look, I think you kind of need to take some time for yourself, kind of process the things that you went through and maybe we can revisit this. And lo and behold, as most toxic relationships end up being where they're hot and cold, she ends up getting back together with this guy. But, you know, like I actually kept in contact with her because I thought that she was kind of cool, despite the fact that I thought that she was hot as hell. Like, I actually thought that she was really cool. She was funny. She was really smart. Uh, She had a lot of drive going like there were things that I actually did like about her. So I said, you know what, like, I'll just try and be your friend for right now. So we keep in contact and I tell her about like my relationship woes and she tells me about like what's going on with her. But then sadly, her now ex ends up dying of an overdose. But even before the relationship truly ended, she claimed that in her mind, the relationship was over like months, maybe six months to a year before it actually did officially end. And no, it didn't end just because of his overdose. There were a lot of things involved here. The overdose just ended up making things more permanent than I think she initially wanted it to end up being. But she's telling me that she's over it and all this stuff. So then I finally figure, hey, you know what? This will be my chance to kind of like see if things could work out. And I know all of this screams red flags from the start. But you know what? Like, hey, (laughs) at least it wasn't like the ex was going to come back, right? (laughs) Like, it's not like she could cheat on me with her ex if he's not actually there. (laughs) And my dumbass spun that shit green like it was some sort of Christmas roulette table. (laughs) I mean, show me the money. So we end up going out for like a couple months and never got serious enough to actually put a label on it, which actually kind of ended up working out because... Once those few months ended, she finally came back to me and goes, yeah, you know, I just don't really think I was fully ready for a relationship, despite the fact that she had told me that she was fine, but she just tried to rush into something with me. And I mean, to her credit, she finally came to her senses and realized that, hey, like she needs to work on herself before she's going to try and involve me in her own bullshit, which honestly I have to respect. But no matter what it is, like there is no battle of the sexes here. It's not a matter of like what guys do versus what girls do. We can all end up getting played. We can all end up being the rebound. But what I think I truly learned from this is the fact that like sometimes things are actually your own fault and you're the idiot who decided to put yourself into this game to begin with. And that's exactly what I did. I knew it was a bad idea from the start, but I said, fuck it anyways. And now I just kind of spend my time trying to podcast. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. (laughs) And if you're spending it with your loved one, then I hope you enjoy your time. 
But if you're single, <clears throat> like me, then who's really stopping you from treating it like St. Patrick's Day? Nobody's telling you that you can't celebrate it as a day of just being single, going out, having fun, just maybe ended up in somebody else's bed. <laughs> I actually just kind of realized that. But if you are single on this Valentine's Day, and if you did just end up breaking up with somebody, don't use Valentine's Day as a way to try and gain a rebound because you're kind of unhappy with where you are in your own relationship right now. I mean, there's no real reason why you got to try and use somebody else to try to force your own happiness just because you don't like where you're at. But all right, that's enough bitching for me. By the way, I'm now on Insta. If you want to search LMBE Media on Insta, um, I'm slowly but surely trying to get things figured out here. And any support would be greatly appreciated. If I have anyone out there listening and wants to help me out, you can check me out on my Instagram page. I mean, it's not like there's really anything too exciting that's on there right now, but I really would appreciate some of the support. And while you're at it, maybe write me up a review, give me a five-star rating, and please share this with a friend. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and I'll catch up with you next week.